Good morning. I want to begin this morning by reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's start in verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Peter says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Peter spends those eight verses emphasizing the importance of the list of character qualities he gave in verses 5 through 7. He links the maintenance of our individual salvation with our individual effort in attaining and improving these qualities until the day we die. When we're baptized, we are justified by God. Our sins are washed away from our life. And baptism then is, it's a sort of culmination. It's a culmination of learning, understanding, conviction, and commitment to God. But it's also the beginning of a lifelong process the Bible calls sanctification. And sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like God. Becoming holier people. And while we walk the earth, God expects us to continually make progress toward His holiness. The list Peter gives in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7 through 7, is a list of qualities to attain and improve so that we can share God's holiness. Now, as we read through and study through them, if any of them that you see you recognize you haven't even attained them yet, make a list of those and remind yourself daily so that you can work on attaining them, at least on a basic level. And if you look at this quality or this list of qualities as we study through and you say, you know, I think I've attained each of those at least on some level. I think I've gotten at least a piece of all of those. Maybe make a list of the ones that challenge you the most. That'll be different for different people. I'm going to be challenged by things that you find very easy. And you'll be challenged at things that I might find very easy. The point is each of us have places to grow. Places to improve. And and so make a list of the ones that perhaps challenge you the most. Last week we talked about faith. And in this case, our faith refers to our confidence in God to keep His promises, as well as our commitment that we've made to Him through baptism. We've placed our faith in Him, and we're told to add to our faith virtue. 
Some translations say moral excellence. The point is we need to be people of integrity. We need to be people with moral fiber. This morning we're adding two more qualities to the ones we've already talked about. Knowledge and self-control. Knowledge and self-control. Let's start with knowledge. What do you know? What do you know? What does it mean to know something anyway or, or to have knowledge about something? You think of a courtroom, right? And, uh, and let's imagine that you guys are all the plaintiffs. Okay? And so there, or, or, or one's a plaintiff, one's a defendant. Yeah, sorry, Steve, I got it wrong. So let, let's say there's plaintiffs over here and you guys have complaints against these folks over here. That's why you're sitting apart. And so you guys have one thing that you think you know. Let's say that all these people over here, let's say they, they dented your car. So all these folks over here, you say they dented your car, and all these folks over here, they say, no, I didn't. Both of them thinks they know. Both of them has what we might call a version of the truth, right? It's impossible for both of them to be right. Either these people dented the car or they didn't. One is going to be right and the other is going to be wrong. But today's world kind of eliminates the judge from this equation. They take the judge out of the courtroom and they say, these people over here say you dented the car, you say you didn't. Well, you go ahead and believe that you didn't and you go ahead and believe that they did. And we'll just continue on and let everyone be happy, I guess. You see, they they allow everyone to believe whatever they want to believe. There's a popular thought that something's only true if you feel it to be true. And there's this concept of your truth might be different from my truth. You see, we personalize it and we say that my truth is in my world. And it's built on the idea that there's nothing absolute. There's no way to verify anything. And there's no one standard that should be used to determine truth and reality. And everyone's told, oh, you just, you just live your truth. You ever heard that? Find your truth and live your truth. You need to understand that this command to attain and increase in knowledge flies defiantly in the face of the idea that truth and reality varies from person to person. This idea that we can actually attain knowledge and increase in it The command is to start viewing life the way it really is, not the way that you think it is. To start finding out what actually is reality, and it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. You see, when folks say, well, this is my truth and that's your truth, what you're really saying is, I have an opinion that's different from yours. Because the truth really, reality really, can't change at all. You just have a way that you think of it. And God doesn't care how you think of it. Because reality is reality. It's not going to change. Peter is writing to them saying you need to add to your moral excellence knowledge. You need to start looking at your life not the way you think that it is. But the way that God says it is in reality. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Look at reality as reality really is. Instead of how you feel about what is. 
Opinions vary from person to person, but reality is fixed. How you feel about what God says in His Word doesn't change its teaching. Paying attention to reality as God explains it and letting your feelings and your opinions play second fiddle, as they say, is what's being prescribed. We are adding to our virtue knowledge so that we can continue to be people of integrity before God. Realize the moral excellence is about what you understand to be right now and then you add knowledge to that. You start learning more of what God calls right and what God says is really the case. And you start shifting your application based on that. Next in Peter's list is self-control. We're adding to our knowledge self-control. That's an interesting concept. Difficult one for me. Maybe difficult for you. Self-control. It's about controlling my actions and my thoughts to agree with what God says. Controlling my actions and my thoughts to agree with what God says. There is a battle going on. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 talks about a battle between the flesh and the spirit or the flesh and God really. Our bodies have desires. Our bodies command us to do various things. God, on the other hand, commands us to do other things. Many times the opposite of what our body tells us. And so, there's a war. And a lot of times we think of self-control in a negative sense. And what I mean by that is that we think of it as saying no to bad things. And that's part of it. That's, that's absolutely right. Saying no to bad things, saying no to sin is part of it. And that is probably where we take our first steps in self-control, is saying no to sinful things. But I want you to notice something particular about 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's verse 8. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about that increasing in self-control. And realize that there's only a certain number of things I can say no to before I've said no to everything sinful in my life. Now I recognize I will continue and we all continue to be tempted day in and day out by things that are fleshly and sinful and and it's always a struggle. Yes. But how do I practice? What if I want to practice? You know what I mean? Practice is like before the big game, you go on a field where it doesn't matter. And if you get it wrong, it doesn't make that big of a difference. How do I practice before I get to the big day? Before I get to the temptation that requires me to use my self-control and to maintain control of myself, otherwise I step into sin, how do I practice before I get there? And please don't tell me the answer is to surround myself with temptation and say no to it all the time. That's not going to work very well. 
So let's think of self-control more positively. Okay? Let's think of it more positively. Let's think of self-control as saying yes to something. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25. These thoughts might help you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25. Paul is writing about spreading the gospel and serving God. and He says in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9 that everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, and I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And so Paul talks about this idea of controlling his body, and he's talking about controlling it to spread the gospel. Say yes when you have an opportunity to spread the gospel. You know, that can be a difficult thing. To, to say yes to that, to say, okay, this person's here, and I, I'm fairly certain that everyone needs to hear the gospel, like God said, and so, yes, I'll share it with them. Yes, I'll bring Jesus up. That's a form of self-control. To control yourself, to say yes to what God has said. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read verse 13. Romans chapter 6. And look at verse 13. Paul talks about the new life that we're walking in after we've been baptized and about how we ought to live it. And he says in verse 13, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Do you catch the no aspect of that? There's some self-control involved there. Self-control of saying no to sin. But then notice what he follows it with. He says, But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Do you catch the yes aspect? There's a no aspect of saying no to sin, but there's a yes aspect that carries on far, much farther, and that's the yes aspect of righteousness. Self-control isn't just saying no, although that's included in the concept. It's also about saying yes to what God calls good and right. Think about it. We are here, and we're Christians, most of us are. We are trying to imitate God's holiness. We're trying to be like Him. Where would we be if God's holiness was stopped with just saying no to things? Do you see how much that diminishes God's character? If all He ever does is says no to sin. If He just sort of is existing and in existence forever, but He never does anything good, but rather just says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. If that was the case, then we could stop by just saying no to sin. But the expectation is greater his holiness is positive. It does what is good and righteous. And so our sanctification, our walk towards God's holiness, it continues. And it continues as we do good works. 
as we control ourselves to say yes to good works. That's something I can practice, isn't it? Now there are ways of of gaining self-control, at least a measure of it. One of the best, I think, that is not always that hard to find a place to do it, is in James chapter 1, verse 27. Let's read that. James 1, verse 27. He says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit or to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Do you notice the yes aspect of this pure religion? There is a self-control practice moment whenever there is a widow in need, whenever there is a child who has no one to look to, there is a yes aspect there that you can practice. And if you fail once or twice, it's not going to be the end of the world. But we can practice yes. There's another place, if you're more of a negative person, that, uh, that you can practice negative self-control, saying no to something. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. In that passage, Jesus addresses something that I think a lot of people rarely do. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. What is it that He addresses that we rarely do? Fasting. That's it. Fasting. Here He says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Fasting is approved as a New Testament practice to reach out to God. To seek His attention. To grow closer to Him. And there is value in fasting for our growth in self-control. Because one of the things that our body does very well most of the time is it tells us to eat. Right? How many of you are getting a little hungry wondering when the lesson is going to end? So our bodies are very good at telling us when to eat. And in just a few hours from now, if you haven't obeyed, it's going to get more urgent. It's going to become maybe a little unpleasant, to say the least. If you can tell your body and control your body and say, no, we're not going to do what you want. We're going to do what I want. We're going to do what God wants. And you can say, no, I'm not going to eat today or for the next three days or seven days. Good on you. But that difficult thing that you're doing, that you're controlling yourself and saying no, that's going to help you next time you're tempted. Next time that there's something that your flesh is telling you, oh yes, let's go this way. And you say, no, I felt that before. I know where that leads, and I'm going to control you. You're not going to control me. There is a value to fasting in being able to say no 
to the urgent requests of your body, but there's also a value in serving and saying yes to taking care of those in need so that you can grow in self-control. Self-control is learning to address the commands your body gives you based on the knowledge you have gained from God. God has given us some serious and weighty items to grow in. These are difficult. These are things that take our whole life to grow in, and even then we're not done. So if you're visiting with us this morning, you need to realize that none of us have attained all these things perfectly. We're human beings. Although we wear the name Christian, it doesn't mean perfection. We wear the name Christian because we've chosen to work toward godliness. We've chosen to submit ourselves to His will and to allow Him to save us. And we are showing our appreciation to Him in that with the rest of our lives by growing to be more like Him. And so if you see us stumble, if you see us falter and become something that God doesn't desire, please forgive us. And know that that's not the way that we want to be. And it's not the way that our God is. During this series of lessons, I'm calling all of us as Christians to assess our lives. To assess where we see we need the most work. And if you feel that you've not gained a particular quality, mark it down. Remind yourself of it daily to focus on it. And even after you attain that basic form of the quality, continue to remind yourself because growth is required in all these places so that we can share God's holiness and enjoy eternal life with Him. Before we end our time together, there's a question that you need to consider. Are you a Christian today? Are you a Christian today? Have you heard the gospel and do you believe its message? Will you turn away from your sins in repentance and confess your belief in Jesus and commit your life to Him through baptism for the forgiveness of your sins? If you will do that today, if you're ready to take that step, then we're here to help you. And if you are a Christian who needs some strength, Perhaps you need forgiveness from God. Maybe you want to pray with all of us together. If you have that need as a Christian, don't leave without it being taken care of. We're here to help each other and encourage each other and strengthen each other. It'd be a shame for you to leave needing that without letting anyone know. So please, let us know if we can help. And we will do everything in our power and ask God to do what is in His power. And we will strengthen each other and walk hand in hand. But whatever your spiritual need is this morning, we're asking that you please make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing.